Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more by visiting the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. And when you visit the website, uh, get on the town. You can subscribe to it, a weekly email that you'll receive about the highlights of what's happening here on the Paradise Coast. We've got terrific guests for today's show, including... Kathleen Pasadomo, she is our state senator, and uh, she's also the Senate Majority Leader. We'll visit with Bo- Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. We'll be talking about the Internet here in the United States versus around the world. And we'll visit with Erin Haney. She is the National Policy Director for Reform Alliance. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, inmates in uh, Florida especially those who uh, might be threatened by coronavirus. It is March the 31st, and on this day in 1492, that's the day that uh, year that uh, the Nina Pinta and Santa Maria sailed off to, with, uh, to uh, the United States. wasn't that the United States at the time, but to America. In Spain, a royal edict was issued by the nation's Catholic rulers declaring that all Jews who refuse to convert to Christianity will be expelled from the country. Most Spanish Jews chose exile rather than renunciation of their religion and culture, and the Spanish economy suffered with the loss of an important portion of its workforce. Many Spanish Jews went to North America, the Netherlands, and Americas, where their skills, capital, and commercial connections put, were put to good use. Among those who chose conversion, some risked their lives by secretly practicing Judaism, while many sincere converts were nonetheless persecuted by the Spanish Inquisition. The Spanish Muslims, or Moors, were ordered to convert to Christianity in 1502. Isn't that amazing? Just think about that. Just an edict. <laughs> More severe than $15 an hour, but irrespective, somehow those in charge feel like they can uh, somehow create an edict uh, around human behavior and culture. <clears throat> well, Cuyahoga County confirmed its worst, first three cases of the uh, coronavirus on March the 11th. Since then, the number has increased substantially with the latest advisory showing 127 cases here in Cuyahoga County. According to the State Department of Health and uh, Advisory, the 13, Cuyahoga County, uh, 13 in Cuyahoga County have been hospitalized. It's uh, bad out there for businesses in Southwest Florida, Florida, especially the smaller businesses. According to coronavirus pandemic, uh, those at uh, FGCU who are reporting on this, the first look at the results of an economic impact survey conducted by FGCU shows more than 63% of businesses in Lee, Collier, and Charlotte counties have been have seen customer demand fall off by more than 50%. So, you know, there's no question about that. That is happening out there. Collier County jail bookings fell by two-thirds amid the coronavirus uh, uh, pandemic. The Daily News analyzed uh, all of the county's DUI, drug theft, and assault and battery cases and found that over a 13-day period, there was an across-the-board drop in arrests from the 13-day period previously. A Collier County Sheriff's Office spokeswoman said in mid-March that deputies have begun ordering notices to appear in court in lieu of making physical arrests for nonviolent uh, offenses. 
Uh, all, an offense is considered violent if a weapon or a threat of a weapon is used or if physical harm occurs. So, uh, bright spot in all this, crime is down, or at least a, a portion of the crime is down. And, of course, Lee and Collier schools remain closed through May the 1st, although I heard that the Lee County Commission's voted, commissioners voted yesterday to keep Lee County, uh, Lee County and not to have a lockdown is uh, what they voted on yesterday. So that's good news. Stocks rose yesterday, of course, bidding on a strong rally from last week. It was up 690 points. That's good news. And futures are up microscopically right now. But uh, it was good to see that Dow Jones Industrial Average is uh, uh, as an indicator of what's happening financially. And now there is indication of hope. Of course, the, uh, in the uh, futures... And the Dow financial uh, markets are an indicator, a future indicator of, of ex expectations. And it looks like they believe we're going to be getting through this, those that are buying and selling stocks. Dow Jones is now up 20% from its coronavirus sell-off low on Monday, while S&P has risen more than 17% from those low levels. Well, that's good news. So a total of 1 million tests for the coronavirus now have been administered. According to President Trump, uh, he did his Rose Garden press conference uh, yesterday afternoon, which is really great. On a table outside the White House, Trump demonstrated two COVID-19 tests that could be completed within 5 to 15 minutes. The news comes a day after Trump announced that social distancing and sanitary guidelines that originally were set to lapse today would be extended until April the 30th, and that the government expects U.S. deaths from the contagious disease to peak in two weeks before declining. According to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the U.S. has 140,000 or close to 141,000 confirmed cases and 2,405 deaths. Human, uh, Health and Human Service Secretary Alex Azar, who, by the way, is a pretty well-spoken guy, enjoyed listening to him, thanked the many American companies, entrepreneurs, and scientists who made the boost in testing possible. We're now testing nearly 100,000 samples a day, and also that level... Uh, and no other country has been reached, he said. Trump asked several corporate CEOs to speak yesterday at the uh, in the Rose Garden, including Honeywell International, Procter & Gamble, and MyPillow. During the press conference, Trump chose to duel with a longtime antagonist, CNN White House correspondent Jim Acosta. And here's what Acosta asks. What do you say to Americans who are upset with you over the way you downplayed the crisis over the last couple of months? He asked. And then I read a series of Trump quotes from February and early March suggesting that the coronavirus was under control. Trump said the statements were true and that Acosta was trying to cause panic. It'll go away. I don't want them to. I want them to stay calm. If you look at those individual statements, they're all true. Stay calm. It'll go away. You know it's going to go away. Uh, and of course, uh, uh, Acosta didn't cite who, in fact, were those individuals that wanted Trump to make that explanation. Of course, it was a simple, pure and simple attack on the president in the Rose Garden. Uh, he got put down, as he always does, and I guess he'll never learn. Maybe that's a, a edict from CNN to behave in that way. I'm not sure. So the Food Administra uh, Drug Administration issued emergency authorization Sunday for hydrochloroquine, a drug already used to treat malaria and other ailments, which has shown anecdotal efficacy against the coronavirus. The use of the drug, often paired with azithromycin, 
I'll say that again, azithromycin. I, th I put the emphasis on the wrong syllable there. Anyhow, has not yet been proven in clinical trials to be effective against the disease. However, given reported success in a growing number of small, non-randomized issued studies, as well as testimonials from doctors and patients about the use of the off-label drug regimen, doctors are said to be prescribing the treatment to patients who are severely ill, and anecdotally, many doctors are taking it uh, prophylactically. So this is good news, and uh, now it's been approved by the FDA. It's going to be uh, widely distributed. Uh, president Trump uh, fired back at Nancy Pelosi on Monday after she accused the president of failing to act quickly enough to combat the disease. She's a sick puppy, in my opinion. She really is, Trump said. She's got a lot of problems, and that's a horrible thing to say. Uh, in an interview Sunday, Pelosi said that President Fiddle's people are dying, of course the allusion, uh, to the uh, Roman emperor. And the Trump uh, cost American lives by downplaying the crisis in the early days of the outbreak. I thought it was a disgrace. I think it's a disgrace to her country, her family, Trump said, adding what a horrible um, statement to make. He spoke about Pelosi in a phone interview on news on Monday. The president reminded the country that what Pelosi was doing during the outbreak of the first, when it first hit the world, don't forget she was playing the impeachment game. You know her game when she ended. Uh, it failed. So uh, uh, you will have many deaths like you've never seen before, he said. Meanwhile, Pelosi was encouraging folks to visit Chinatown in San Francisco at the same time. She's admonishing them about these statements. So hypocritical. Finally, uh, since the outbreak of novel coronavirus, which has emerged in China's Wuhan, the pandemic has killed 15,000 people globally and infected 351,000. Recently, the death toll in Italy surpassed the uh, epicenter. Uh, but recently, Beijing authorities, now this is really interesting, uh, announced on March the 19th that more than 21 million cell phone accounts were canceled, while in past three months, 840,000 landlines in, were closed in China. Now, the thing is, in the digita uh, digitization level is very high in China, but people can't survive without a cell phone, uh, dealing with the government for pensions and Social Security, buying train tickets and so forth. No matter uh, what people want to do, they're required to use their cell phones to do it, so the Chinese regiment, regime requires all Chinese to use their cell phones to generate a health code. Only with a green health code can Chinese be allowed to move in China right now. So here's the question. Uh, 51 million cell phones are gone in China. Now you re remember now the Western uh, reporters were asked to leave China from a number of news outlets. Now 51 million people. I'm not suggesting that all they all died from coronavirus. But, of course, there are exterminations in China as well. You know, there are people there that uh, they don't want there. So the point is, what happened to those 51 million, or the question, what happened to those 51 million cell phones? Uh, well, they probably are related to those piece, people going missing, no longer alive. Let's just suppose 10% of those folks ended up with coronavirus and died from that. We're talking about a couple of million deaths. Five million deaths, actually. Just think about it. So are we getting the truth from China? I suspect not, but evidence suggests there was a lot bigger cl uh, claim on lives in China from coronavirus than what they're reporting. 
This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. Okay, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards with six full productions this season. But did you know that Gulf Shore Playhouse brings unique theater education programs and opportunities for children, teens, and adults alike? Education is a vital component of Gulf Shore Playhouse's mission, providing programs aimed at enriching the lives of our children, teens, and students of all ages. Each offering provides real-life skills and learning experiences that are invigorating, nurturing, and readily accessible to every member of our community thanks to the scholarships and reduced-price programming for our region's most deserving students. From in-school residencies and pre-professional theater training to community partnerships, audience engagement, and student matinees, the goal is to inspire creativity, encourage self-expression, and support the blossoming of self-confidence, collaboration, and a deep appreciation for the arts. With each passing year, Golf Show Playhouse continues to touch the lives of tens of thousands of students throughout Southwest Florida. Isn't it time that a young person in your life finds out more? For more information about student camps and the Teen Conservatory, visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And of course, that won't be happening for the balance of this season, but there are season tickets available for next season. Also, great education programs and a uh, New Works Festival coming up, so you can check it all out at golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with us Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator, and and Senate Majority Leader Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning. So I hope everybody is well in your family. No coronavirus? No, so far so good. Um, so we're doing all the right things, the social distancing, and basically not going to many places. I spend 
I go to the grocery store uh, fairly often, but other than that, yeah. Nothing. You know what? Uh, I'm encouraged by the behavior that I'm seeing in Cuyahoga County in my neighborhood. Uh, people are social distancing. They're really, you know, watching themselves and uh, trying to support the effort to keep, you know, the government de decree coming down, the lockdown in Cuyahoga County. So uh, I'm, I'm encouraged by what I see. I think you make a good point um, in that, uh, it, by and large, I've noticed the same thing in Cuyahoga County. Uh, there have not been any social gatherings. If you walk down Fifth Avenue or Third Third Street, uh, they're virtually deserted except for a few people jogging or walking, and everybody's uh, you know being very um, courteous and, and keeping distance. Uh, we had a you know a few examples of uh, one or two uh, uh, restaurant uh, not restaurants that were doing takeout, but uh, letting people come back in. You know they would take it out, come back in and eat, and and uh, Department of Agriculture has been, you know, very careful monitoring them and making sure they don't do that. Huh. Um, beaches are, are empty, and I understand even the private beaches, Pelican Bay, is shutting down um, voluntarily. So these are really good signs, I think. Good signs, indeed. I've talked to people living around the nation, and in Israel, actually, and uh, things like impositions like uh, you can't leave, go more than a block from your home. <laughs> You can go to the grocery store once a week. So uh, there's been a, a big, uh, I'm going to call an intrusion into private lives. And, and for good reason, I understand that we're trying to control this uh, virus. But I really appreciate that our leaders are allowing us to make decisions on the margin of, uh, of this pandemic. Well, and I think um, it, it, the uh, governor's concept of not uh, uh, creating a statewide lockdown makes some sense in such a, a, a state with such a diverse uh, population. We have uh, some counties in the state that do not have any uh, any positive cases, um, and it's mainly because of their rural communities where there's very little interaction to begin with. Right. The areas that have the highest concentrations of uh, naturally are big cities like in the East Coast, Miami-Dade, Broward counties, where uh, they're the dense population. Um, one of uh, you know, similar to New York, where people just can't go anywhere. Right. Whereas here, uh, once the visitors uh, have left, and and it's pretty clear that they've that they if they haven't left, they're they're leaving and going back to their their northern homes. Um, there's fewer interaction naturally. Yeah. So I think that's been helpful, and and as long as people continue to practice social distancing and and using common sense, um, I think you know we're going to be in a better position um, to stave off the, uh, the virus. Absolutely. So, Kathleen, I mean, I know you've got your constituents. They're in touch with you when they have concerns. Uh, what are you hearing from people, and what are, what are their big concerns right now? Well, it runs the gamut. Um, I have, obviously, a large number of retiree uh, constituents, and I get a number of emails that are concerned that are definitely still concerned about the fact that the governor has not done a statewide lockdown. Uh, I have others that are saying, uh, you know, I'm doing my part and everyone else is doing their part, and we don't think that we need a statewide lockdown. Mm -hmm. You know, and and we have I have people from the medical community on both sides. It's not just those saying lock it down. There's others saying we think you know we're doing doing a pretty good job. So, you know, if I, if I took a poll, I'd say it's about half and half. Mm. Um, and there's there's a big, you know, a lot of the um, uh, restaurant workers, retail 
workers uh, who were laid off are now seeking unemployment benefits and the system is clogged and so we're help we're trying to help people navigate that system um, you know those kind of things and then I spend <laughs> I spend uh, a lot of my day responding to emails uh, asking all kinds of questions on dealing with state agencies and I'd like to make a point that I think is really uh, critical mm-hmm. in that you know, people are contacting me and, and my staff. We respond to everybody that's a constituent, um, you know, trying to if, if it, ask the governor to do this, that, or the other thing. Or, or shouldn't the legislature do something? Right now, the legislature is not in session. You know, under our Constitution, we only meet in session 60 days a year. Therefore, unless we have a special session, which has its own issues, we cannot do any legislation, pass any laws, do anything. Right. So in in times of an emergency, under our law, the governor basically is in charge and has emergency powers. And so I pass on to the governor's staff all suggestions or ideas or whatever that I get from constituents. But it's it's really up to the governor. And he's got, and his agencies. Yeah. So Department of Emergency Management is doing a whole lot of, um, uh, whole lot of, uh, you know, they're, they're managing the crisis, and Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services is managing the food issues, and um, the Attorney General is, is managing the legal issues. So um, people need to realize that all I can do is contact the governor's office or help them navigate the system. Right. Well, yeah. You know, or and of course, uh, most people are hoping use your influence to go what they need. <laughs> so. Well, you know, my influence is probably is the governor has been very responsive in general. I am finding, interestingly enough, and this is very odd, I'm getting a lot of offers from all kinds of people who have contacts in China to get masks and gowns and whatever, and. I'm, I'm forwarding them up the chain, but I think we're getting a lot of um, scam yeah. uh, offers, yeah. and so they're having to sort through that. <clears throat> well, that's right. I, as I understand it, China delivered uh, some 80, 80% of the masks that they delivered to one of the countries, the uh, one of the stands over there in, in south of uh, Russia. 80% were defective, so... Uh, you know, be careful of what you receive here. I would like to make this, I found out that there is a, a website uh, for uh, restaurant workers who've been laid off, uh, waiters and so forth. Uh, there's a website that, that apparently has raised $100 million and is, is offering is grants to restaurant workers who are suffering financially because of the coronavirus, and I'm going to give it out. Huh. It's uh, R-E-R f.us r-e-r-f.us and i would suppose that is an acronym for restaurant employees uh rescue fund and i haven't checked it out where the funds come from you know i'm not sure and i haven't really personally checked it out but i i found out about it and i referred it to one person who said he was very grateful so uh, you know, we'll, we'll see, but the, it's worth checking out anyhow. At, uh, yeah, I'll, have, I'll, I'll do that. Yeah, yeah. There's a. We have to be careful. There's always going to be people profiting off of, um, you know, people who are afraid or who lost their job or yeah. who are, you know, concerned, and we just have to be vigilant. Be vigilant indeed. So, Kathleen, uh, before I let you go, any last admonitions or thoughts uh, for our listeners? Well, I, you know, I'm going to echo the sentiment of everybody, all our local elected officials, is to uh, stay home. Yeah. Um, because if, if, if we do, and we do this right, 
it uh, will, number one, keep us from, from an order to that effect, but also uh, should help slow the spread of the virus. Um, and hopefully the, the stories that um, the, the quick tests are, are going to be implemented. I think Abbott Laboratories came up with one. Hopefully everybody will be able to, you know, utilize tests so, so we know more, you know, who's got it and who doesn't. All right. Well, uh, good good message indeed. So uh, I, I'm with you. I'm going to uh, self-quarantine as much as possible. I'm still going to take that occasional bike ride or uh, whatever. But nevertheless, uh, if we all work together on this, I think we can uh, fend this off and get through it. Kathleen Pasadena, again, our state senator. I genuinely appreciate you coming on the show today. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. Just makes me smile to say that. Uh, the later part of the show, we're going to visit with Boo. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. And, of course, that's 
uh, going to be happening after we get back to work after this coronavirus, but I hope you'll check out the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Aaron Haney, the National Policy Director for Reform Alliance. We'll be talking about prisoners in Florida. Right now, we have with us Boo Mortensen. It's time to find out what's new with Boo Boo. Just makes me smile. It's like a trigger. It's like Pavlov's dogs. When I say that, I start to smile. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. Bob, I can hardly hear you. I'm so sorry. Can you hear me better now? Nope. Okay, well, boy, I'm going to try and suffer through this. We'll try and figure out the, which knob makes this happen. But nevertheless, welcome to the there, show, there. Boo. Okay. I'll just speak up, Boo. So, um, how are you surviving with the coronavirus? Well, you know, again, it's it's such a disconnect between what's happening in the rest of the country and what's happening in southwest Florida it's it's just amazing. I mean, here people are golfing, they're going out, they're, you know, on some segments of the beach. Uh, they're walking, running, biking, and then you look at the rest of the country and you go, wow, this just is amazing to me. Yeah. You know, I have a, can you hear me now? Barely. Okay. Well, you know, I have a, uh, a friend that I talked to yesterday. Uh, the admonition, he's seeing people run around the block. They usually are taking long-distance runs because uh, they're not allowed to, according to the state quarantine, they're not allowed to leave, go more than a block from their home. Uh, going, wow. to the, going to the grocery store, people are wearing masks, all of them. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're so fortunate here to have, first of all, I, I would say a good public response to the mandate to stay safe and have social distancing. I see that. Go I don't see anybody gathering uh, the way they should not be gathering. But uh, to your point, I mean, I see a lot of bikers and walkers and people out there, and I think it's important to get exercise during this time. Yeah, I do, too. I just heard, like, in Washington, D.C., if they find you outside... I think they arrest you and put you in jail. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it. And see, this is the big concern I have is we're seeing this uh, emergency state martial law going on. My concern is, will this all withdraw after the coronavirus episode is over? Because I think, you know, this <laughs> this is a. It is uh, a contagious. I think people enjoy having power, and uh, they have a lot of, you know, the, the elected officials right now have a lot of power over the people in the United States. Yeah, yeah, it's, and then the irony of it all is that right now gas is cheap, so where are you going to go? Right, well, you know, and uh, I talked to my brother yesterday, his, his uh, da daughter is a professor at a, a school in Boston, uh, a teacher, instructor in a school in Boston, and the concern is she's going to be laid off. But not only that, the school is going to close because people will be asking for their tuition back. Yes. I, you know, there are a lot of, I think there's going to be a lot of fallout from this situation, not only for businesses, but for institutions like, well, the arts. Uh, yes. Did you hear <laughs> that uh, after getting a $25 million grant from this corona bill, the $2.2 trillion Cronus relief package, uh, $25 million went to the Kennedy Center, and shortly after the announcement came that they were going to get this $25 million from the federal government, the Kennedy Center, they laid off the, or the National Symphony Orchestra <laughs> and, and not all non-essential employees. So to me, this means like they're double-dipping. They're not only going to receive oh, the $25 yeah. million, wow. but can you believe that? Isn't that unbelievable? No. Yeah. But I, I do believe there was a big article in the Wall Street Journal about how it's going to affect different segments of our, of our culture and uh, society. And 
this article said that the arts will really get, uh, it's really going to be hard hit. Uh, no question. I mean, a lot of these people, you know, when you lay them off, uh, it's not like they can work from home. Right. You know, if they're laid off, they're on un- unemployment. Right. So, uh, you know, just to complete the thought here, uh, Kennedy said it was going to get to $25 million. They're going to get... And they lay off. Oh, wow. They're going to lay off the folks. They're going to get unemployment. It's kind of a double dip. Nevertheless, I think the, the package was pretty good. There's still about $12 billion of fat and pork in this bill, which really makes me angry, but... Twelve billion versus two trillion—it's—it's it's not that much. That's a lot. It's just—it's yeah. just very bothering. Yeah. I don't. You know, I just read an article about like the like higher institutions of learning, like a lot of these big universities, like say for instance Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an article that all of this is going to cost the University of Wisconsin system a uh, hundred million dollars in just just losses across the board and a lot of students are asking for money back yeah which they're not going to get and uh it's it's changing how that's that's going to be the interesting thing you know all these got these big campuses and these big buildings and now this is showing how easily if you've got a computer you can get a an education online yeah do they need to keep building big buildings well, so I, I don't want to diminish the importance of human interaction and, and brave people, right. students, getting, animals. Uh, students getting together and, and learning from each other and so forth. But that said, a lot of the learning that goes on can be done remotely. And that, yes. could, be, that could serve to reduce this tremendous expense of uh, going to college. I mean, some, some students are paying $50,000 a year to go to a private institution, which is just unconscionable. Yeah, uh, a lot of the money that's being spent is on uh, fat, and I'm going to call it you know bur- bureaucrats. They're not teaching. A smaller and smaller percentage of uh, the money is actually going towards the education of the kids. A lot of it's going to some of this uh, non-purposed, uh, politically yeah. correct stuff. Tenured professors, right. maybe that'll change. Yeah, exactly. So uh, to me, that's one of the bright spots. That's one of the good things that can happen coming out of this. Well, it's. It's, uh, hasn't all of this changed how we look at things? Yes. It's, it's so profound in so many, on so many different levels. Uh, you know, the news was always filled with the war in Afghanistan, what was happening with Biden in the Ukraine, Syria, and all that. Now, nothing. You don't hear about any of that. No, that's so right. And, uh... Well, of course, a lot of a lot of the countries that uh, you're mentioning here are also preoccupied with the coronavirus. This is global; it's not just uh, national. Yes. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I think armed conflicts are down. I, maybe even crime is down. Yeah. So it's the it's the un, unseen enemy, as President Trump put it. And my purple my per, uh, personal point of view is, I think he's doing a great job of leading the country at this point. And uh, is doing everything he can to muster the resources necessary to get this thing under control, and uh, with a focus on getting the economy back on track. I'm so grateful that he's our leader right now, as opposed to, for example, Joe Biden. Oh my, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine. You know, I think a lot of the country feels that way. I think sometimes Trump's over exuberance yep. to want to get back on track and get the economy going kind of clouds his. 
what he says. You know, he says, all right, you know, back to work and by Easter, and, and uh, well, that's not going to happen. Yeah, well, you know, Britt Hume made a comment on, uh, I guess it was Tucker Carlson, I'm not sure, but he basically said, look, uh, don't, you know, Trump says some stuff that just isn't uh, materialized, but uh, you have to watch what he does, not what he says, and what he does is working pretty darn good. Yeah. So, yeah. Boo, you know what? I always appreciate having you on the show. Can you hear me now? No. <laughs> okay, Boo. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. All right. Have a good day, Boo. All right. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Let's Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road. And it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. Of course, that's after the economy gets going again. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Erin Haney. She's the National Policy Director for Reform Alliance. Right now, we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government wherever it is. Yeah. And we're kind of in a holding pattern of a LaGuardia on that. Yeah, well, in fact, I think we're seeing a recent expansion of government control. Does that concern you? Well, it's, you know, it, it, it infuriates me. You know, I live in Maryland, and they just announced at 8 p.m. last night there's a stay-at-home order. Yeah. With no end in sight. There's no end date on it. 
and they can arrest you and, get, and charge you with, the, with fine you, I think, $5,000 and throw you in prison for a year. Jeez. If you're violating the stay-at-home order. And they have exceptions if you're going grocery shopping. Meanwhile, they're letting prisoners out of prison, and they're going to throw me in if I go for a drive. So, And so here's the thing. I mean, here in Florida, in, in Collier County, the commissioners met, vote five to nothing, to not have a lockdown like you're having in Maryland. And you know what? I look out the window. I walk the streets when I'm driving and when I occasionally go out to drive. People are are, are act, acting sensibly. They're doing the right thing. Where's right, right. I mean, you know, uh, you got De Blasio and you know. Remember, Cuomo originally came out and said Trump's doing a great job, yep. and then he got the then the DNC got on the phone with him and said, "You idiot, you're our leading guy to when we dump Biden at the convention to, re to replace him with." So then all of a sudden he started attacking Trump. Well, everything was everything is upside down in New York because you had de Blasio, and, well, I think on the 17th of March, going, oh, yeah, go to Broadway. We'll see a, see a show. You, you know, that was, that was two weeks ago. Right. Um, so, yeah, you, you know, most human beings will be – look, one of the things about government regulation that is so stupid is, you know, when the government is trying to protect us from ourselves – we have an inherent self-interest to not die. Right, exactly. So we don't need the government telling us what to do and what not to do to not die. Something as primal as that, we can take care of ourselves. That's exactly right. And for those that may not have good judgment, we can also make the decision to not spend time with those folks. I mean, so... Well, you know, and again, from the very beginning, what we should have done is we said, okay, if you're old, if you're ill... If you if you're if you're and we knew from the beginning that if you had things like asthma or other respiratory problems, you were additionally susceptible to this virus. You stay home. Yeah. If you've got people living with you that aren't susceptible and they're going to be interacting with you, they stay home. Why the hell should I stay home? And this is not selfish. This is called not killing a $22 trillion economy in the name of saving a certain sliver of the population that should be quarantining themselves and leaving the rest of us to conduct our lives. Uh, that's so true. And in fact, uh, there's no t uh, time being spent or attention being spent on anything else but this coronavirus right now. And my, my concern is that we're trying to have no risk, minimize risk so much that we're killing the economy. So, well, the, well, yes, and 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 again, where you were relying on the same climate model, I mean, the same computer models, the climate morons do. And now, are we now more susceptible to the concept of ending socialism, ending capitalism permanently in the name of these computer climate models? So. Yeah. Hey, so listen, you, you just wrote a piece which I found very refreshing and interesting about the Internet here in the United States versus globally. Uh, maybe you could uh, mention it. And, well, uh, actually, I accidentally wrote a three-part series, Monday, Monday, Monday. Um, mm. Two weeks ago, when the shutdowns really started first being announced, um, I said, okay, we're going to have a bunch of people working at home and doing more at home, and that means more Internet. Um, as you, as we discussed, bandwidth uh, is is not infinite, and as we discussed, video consumes more bandwidth than anything by by a large margin. Um, Netflix and YouTube, YouTube is owned by Google. Those two sites alone consume over half the bandwidth in the United States on any given day or hour or whatever the hell yeah. they divided it up as. But 
So you can have all these people now teleworking, which means teleconferences, which is a bunch of people video streaming together. I'm watching CNBC now for three weeks. They're all doing it from their houses, yeah. which means they're all using the Internet to, to, to deliver video to their studios and then send it out to us. Um, you know, you got people watching Netflix series over and over and over again because there's nothing to do. Um, just all of these things have been dumped on the Internet network, and I predicted it would be no problem for our network. I thought we'd built up a, a substantial network that was going to sustain it. So far, so good. What's funny is, you know, the American tech media is as left as the regular political media, and they've been saying for years how everybody, uh, every place on earth is better than our Internet. And, and included in that list, was they love Western Europe, and Western Europe's great at Internet, and they can, they're so much faster and better than our Internet. And Well, less than a, like, uh, the, that last week, <laughs> the, 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 the chairman of the EU, this woman, I can't remember, I can't be bothered to remember her name, um, said... We, we must reduce traffic on the Internet by 25%. So we're, at, we're demanding that all video streaming services switch from HD to SD, mm. uh, meaning high definition to standard definition. So they're rationing bandwidth by 25% because their network can't handle it. Any, any similar proclamations here? No, we don't need to. Yeah. Our Internet system handles it. And so this week, yesterday, I wrote... The, the reasons why, the main reason why is there's, there's less government on our Internet, specifically and chiefly, we don't have to deal with the stupid regulation known as network neutrality. Right. Net, net neutrality is socialism for the Internet. It guarantees everyone equal amounts of nothing. It says you, you have to treat every byte on the Internet exactly the same. So the, the, you know, the, the doctor performing remote surgery can't get preferential treatment over the email from the Nigerian prince offering you $6 million. They all have to be treated equally. Yeah, it's a- And another side effect of net neutrality is because all bytes have to be tri- treated equally, big tech companies like, like we just discussed, Netflix and, and Google's YouTube, they can't get charged extra for the extra bandwidth they use. Right. So that, of course, is if you can't make your money back, you're not going to put your money in. Right. And as we said, you know, we had net neutrality for a year. Obama imposed it before Trump rolled it back. And we saw investment skyrocket after the rollback. Uh, speeds went up 40% the first year after the rollback. It was all, in one year, we'd pent up that much economic activity. And then as soon as we rolled it back, the, the, internet, the, the investment activity rushed back in, and we played catch-up. You know, it was what we're hoping for after this coronavirus shutdown, is this massive swell of economic activity that will buoy us back up to sanity. And that's what happened on the Internet. We got rid of it. So we had all this investment. We had all this infrastructure. We had all this in, it built in strength and speed. So when we dumped you know, 300 million Americans into their houses and force them all onto the Internet, hey, our Internet handled it. Yeah. And, the, and the European network with the vaunted net neutrality imposed couldn't do it. Yeah, no, so we're gr- so grateful, actually, that we don't have net neutrality. We came so close. Thank goodness that President Donald Trump came along and appointed folks to the uh, FCC that uh, made good decisions to keep us... Uh, yes. Keep the Internet free. Uh, Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org, lessgovernment.org. Also, you can visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, indeed. Coming up.
We're going to visit with Aaron Haney. I'm looking forward to this conversation. We're talking about the prisoners in Florida and the concern about coronavirus. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can find out more by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Well, I called Aaron Haney, and I must have a wrong number. I feel so badly about this because it's the second time it's happened in the last four or five days, four or five shows. Uh, she is the National Policy Director for Reform Alliance. So, Aaron, if you're listening to the show right now, call me at 59 and we'll get you on the air. But uh, I feel badly about that because she's got a very important message about coronavirus and our prison population, which you know uh, we've been talking about uh, quite a bit in the last uh, year because of uh, the changes in the... There was a uh, uh, state constitutional amendment that was passed. So uh, prisoners have more rights, and uh, now they're at risk because they're in a very crowded place in prison. So the question is, what should we do here in Florida? And Aaron organization has done some good thinking about that. So, uh, Aaron, I'm so sorry about this interview. And nevertheless, uh, one of the things I really detest in government is waste. And of course, uh, anytime you pass a law where there's money involved, and there's usually money involved, there's going to be some sort of political currency that uh, it's just like a a commission that's added on to any re- regulation. Well, that's certainly true with the $2 trillion Corona Life uh, relief package, c- coronavirus. 
that was passed. And there's, you know, a lot of good stuff in it. I'm, uh, I'm sure that's going to really help our economy. But in the meantime, uh, there are, for example, uh, $350 million was, is in the bill for refugee resettlement. Can you believe that? Or is that 350000 300, $350 million for refugee resettlement. There's $93 million for Congress, $25 million for which is salaries and expenses, $75 million for PBS stations. Can you believe that? Now, uh, they're claiming that, well, with this, with this uh, pro, uh, coronavirus, people don't have the money to send us so we can keep the stations going. Well, what about, uh, for example, that we that are operating in the private sector, advertisers don't have a sense of humor about spending, the, spending their money when their businesses are hurting. But nevertheless, uh, they got $75 million from the federal government to continue their operations, $75 million to the National Foundation on the Arts and Humanities. So help, you know, I'm, <laughs> I support the National Foundation for the Arts and Humanities, certainly support the performing arts, but uh, how does that help us during the coronavirus uh, in epidemic? $75 million to the National Endowment for the Humanities, $50 million for the Institute. To, let's see if this is uh, my guest here. Aaron, is that you? It is me. Uh, you know what, Aaron? I'm so sorry. I, I got the phone. I can't believe this happened twice. <laughs> But uh, nevertheless, welcome to the show, and I do want to get your important message. First of all, this is Aaron Haney, the National Policy Director for the Reform Alliance. Tell us about Reform Alliance and what it's all about. So Reform Alliance is a bipartisan organization um, that focuses really mainly on parole and probation. So a lot of people are now aware that we have, you know, 2.2 million people behind bars uh, in this country, but what a lot of people don't realize is that we actually have double that number under supervision, so on probation or parole. Wow. Um, and probation and parole have become the number one tool of recidivism. In, or, in other words, it is sort of the number one reason why people end up back in prison. Uh, and so Reform Alliance came together uh, to work with folks both on the right and the left to try to make sure that we can fix this system uh, and make sure that it's really supporting people when they come out instead of helping send people back. Yeah, I mean, uh, this this type of reform is so essential, and we're kind of lagging here in Florida, I believe, anyhow, uh, because we have so many people in prison, and as you're pointing out, not necessarily in prison, but on, you know, in supervision, uh, you know, uh, law enforcement supervision. So, uh, what? You know, we have this uh, coronavirus epidemic going on right now. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so although Reform Alliance normally focuses on probation and parole, we have really shifted everything to focus on the coronavirus pandemic um, and to look at how it's affecting people behind bars, but also how it's affecting people under supervision and how it's affecting our correctional officers and our law enforcement. So Reform Alliance came up with the SAFER plan, which is a set of recommendations that help make our prisons and jails and supervision populations safer, with the idea being that safer jails and safer prisons mean safer communities. Uh, and so if we can get these recommendations enacted in each state, we really protect our correctional officers, we protect our folks behind bars, and we also protect our communities at large. So what kinds of reforms are you recommending? 
So a lot of the reforms that we are recommending focus on finding ways to implement the CDC recommendations behind bars, which is incredibly difficult uh, because of the close quarters that people live in behind bars, because of unsanitary nature, because of the lack of resources. Uh, but what we've seen is that as of Friday in Florida, they've announced that seven correctional employees uh, have tested positive for the coronavirus, mm -hmm. and that's in seven different institutions. So we are at a really terrifying point, especially in Florida, uh, when we think about what's happening to our correctional officers as well as to people behind bars. So the recommendations that we are making um, are to allow for things like, you know, social distancing, isolation and quarantining, uh, waiving medical co-pays and waiving uh, fees for medical treatment, uh, ensuring that people behind bars have access to hand soap and hand sanitizer, ensuring that our correctional officers have all of the PPEs, so the masks, the gloves, everything that they need to win this war against the virus. And, and where is the resistance on that? Are you meeting resistance in, the, in this uh, effort? It's a great question. Um, so some of the resistance comes from, you know, in order to allow people to social distance, it does mean that we have to make some room in these facilities. Um, and in order to keep our 25,000 correctional officers safe in Florida, it means that we have to limit the number of people that they have contact with who could spread the virus. And so one of the recommendations, in addition to some of the conditions work that we've suggested, um, is to allow people who are not a threat to the public, um, but who are currently incarcerated, to come home and self-isolate. And so I want to be very clear, the folks that we are talking about are people who are inside of jails and prisons on supervision violations, so they are people who have not committed a new crime, or they are elderly and vulnerable people um, who, again, are not a threat to the public, uh, who could come home and could self-isolate and therefore really protect themselves, protect the correctional officers, and also free up some space so that jails and prisons can quarantine and social distance as needed. So these are nonviolent criminals uh, who are being punished right now. And, uh, you know, it sounds like even without the coronavirus, those recommendations sounds like they could, number one, save the state a lot of money. And number two, uh, put us not, you know, needless to say, we want them to keep us from uh, internal predators, people who could hurt us and harm us. But, uh, you know, certainly we don't want to do that for Bernie Madoff, but we would want to do it perhaps for people who have not committed crimes that really are, are uh, harmful uh, to society. That's absolutely right, and I think that's why, you know, if you look at the number of wonderful groups that have signed on to Reform Safer Plan, we have, you know, Americans for Prosperity, Right on Crime, uh, American Conservative Union. So we have a lot of groups who have really been a part of this core movement in making criminal justice reform sort of smart and data-driven and evidence-based. And that's really what the SAFER plan does. Um, sadly, we've seen the first real outbreak in, in jails occur in New York. Uh, if we look at Rikers, uh, unfortunately, COVID-19 has hit Rikers jail in New York very, very hard. And what we've seen is we now have, you know, uh, 
over 100 people behind bars and correctional employees who are now testing positive. It is spreading behind bars there at a rate of 85 times that um, of the infection rate at the U.S. in general. And so really what this plan does is it tries to take the crisis head on and really prevent us from having any more deaths um, and, and mitigate any risk, both to our correctional officers and to the folks behind bars. Well, I can certainly support your efforts. And is there a website or someplace where someone could go to find out more? Absolutely. So if you go to the reformalliance.com, you will be able to find the safer plan on there, and you can find all of the organizations who have endorsed it. You can find our specific recommendations. And what we are asking everyone to do is to call their government you know, so call their governor, call their local sheriff, ask them to please implement the safer recommendations right away so that we can win this war against the virus. All right, Erin Haney, again, National Policy Director for Reform Alliance. And sorry for the difficulty in reaching us, but I'm so glad that you called. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you'll join us tomorrow. We have great guests lined up tomorrow as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.